Hello, this is Tim Winders. I'm the host of the Seek, Go, Create podcast, and we've got something a little bit different for you with this episode today. This is a bonus episode that we're adding in, and about, I think, December of last year, I was interviewed on A Better Way podcast with my good friend Ryan Haley, and the interview was Ryan really questioning me about a lot of the I guess a lot of the challenges that we had gone through during the 2008 financial downturn, how we had come through it, both practically, spiritually, some of the strategies, and just, it was a very, very good interview. Ryan did an excellent job of it, and what we decided to do was to get that podcast interview and rebroadcast it here on the Seek, Go, Create podcast. And the reason that we felt that it would be valuable at this time, we are recording this currently in mid-April when we expect to release it, somewhere around that time frame. And for those of you that are listening during that time, or if you're listening to this podcast episode sometime after, you know that in April, most of the United States was on what would be considered lockdown or stay-at-home orders because of the uh, COVID-19 virus that was, for lack of a better term, sweeping sweeping the world. And it was just a very different and unique time for everyone. And in many ways, some of the, I guess some of the projections of what we were hearing about the economy reminded me of some things that we went through after 2008. Now, I hope that by the time you're listening to this, that the economy has rebounded, things are going great. But in the event that it hasn't, It is my belief and my hope that you can learn some things from what my wife and I and our family went through back in 2008, really all the way up to around 2013, 14, 15. So there's a a great end to the story. It's not a bad story. But as I have said many times, it is something that I am thankful that we went through, but I would not wish it on anyone else. So I believe that a lot of great things are going to come from this time. I think a lot of people will make adjustments. There's going to be a reset. There is a great possibility that we could be having some economic adjustments. So it is just my desire that this interview that Ryan did of me will in some way be a blessing to you, hopefully encourage you. So, without delay, here is Ryan Haley on A Better Way Podcast, interviewing me, your host, Tim Winders. Enjoy. Welcome back to this week's episode of A Better Way Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Haley, and I have the pleasure and honor of having Tim Winders on this week. Tim has been a really uh, critical mentor and advisor in my life, particularly regarding the podcast and consistency, which you guys have uh, Tim to thank for the consistency since early April of this year. And Tim is a business coach, a mentor. He has a really interesting and varied background we'll go into, but Tim, it is great to finally have you on the show personally. It's great to be here, Ryan. Thank you for the invite. And and uh, I wasn't letting it get to me that you haven't invited me, but <laughs> I, I think timing, I think divine timing is important. So I believe that we're in perfect, perfect timing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll go into this later, but it's interesting because you just started your own podcast and you're actually now on season three and you've got a lot of good things and we'll 
go into more of that detail later and put those in the show notes, but it is kind of cool now that you've got your whole podcast set up. I've got mine and we're on the same page. And, um, yeah, it is, it's funny to me that I never actually thought about what a perfect testimony your life is for the message of a better way. But, um, just to start off with, why don't you just give us a brief background of where you grew up, you know, your, uh, kind of who you are in the early days and, uh, anything you think might be relevant for kind of setting the stage here. Sure. Yeah, I think I think that's always kind of fun to revisit that. Uh, I actually grew up in the Atlanta area, and grew up in a you know nice home, and we uh, you know two parents and all that kind of stuff. I actually grew up in the '70s, just outside of Atlanta, which I kind of joke now it was sort of the end of the age of innocence. You know, <laughs> we still went out with our bikes and you know, rode barefoot and no helmets. And I remember having a yellow banana seat bike that I would go screaming down the hill and hit a dirt ramp that's about six feet tall and just go airborne. And, <laughs> you know, we, we lived through all that. And, uh, you know, I guess I, I make myself sound old, but things began changing in the 80s and 90s. And I was kind of the guy, Ryan, maybe some people will relate to this, maybe they won't that I was always going to be successful. I can't say that I grew up in a spiritual home necessarily. You know, we would probably be people that considered ourselves Christians, but maybe didn't know what that meant and had probably never made a real decision. I'll say it that way. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that probably has somewhat of a background like that. But um, there was a show called Family Ties during the 80s that there was a guy on there, Michael J. Fox played the character that was uh, um, Alex P. Keaton, wore a tie and all this kind of stuff. Well, just to give everyone a visual, that would have been me because I was the guy, conservative, going to be a business guy, and I was going to make some money. I was going to be successful, and I was going to do it, I don't want to say at all costs, but I thought I was pretty smart, thought I was pretty talented, and I was going to do it on my own power, so... I came out, of, uh, came out of high school, went to Georgia Tech. I have an industrial engineering degree from there. Not sure that that was where I should have gone because I don't really have the bent to mathematics and science and things like that that engineers would. But you know what? When I came out of high school, I saw a U.S. News and World Report that said engineers are four out of the top five most in-demand positions. And I was 30 miles down the road from Georgia Tech. I said, hmm, I'm going to be an engineer. And so, so I became an engineer. I actually had businesses while I was in college that did well and, uh, and all throughout the 80s and then got married and started working corporate at Bell South. So that kind of gives you a little bit of background and kind of brings you up to my early years. Is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I can already see the story arc set up for where this is going. But, uh, and, and this is something, you know, that you haven't already shared on your podcast. So Hopefully this is, uh, you know, you're, you're obviously comfortable sharing it, but, um, what I want to talk about is, you know, people like you, like myself to a degree and others, um, I think I typically see a story arc of drivenness, maybe a certain level of native talent or, you know, capability in some certain areas and, um, it gets results, but it comes with a high cost and talk to us about, how you achieved quote unquote success, we would say maybe good success or uh, even success just by itself in this, uh, you know, earthly, worldly terms, but talk about the cost that that had. Yeah, that's a great question. 
I guess, too, I want to say, and I think we might get to this later, one of the things I've learned now at the stage I'm at in my life is, is to be cautious as to how we define success. And growing up the way that I grew up, I, we weren't poor, but we definitely weren't wealthy. So, Ryan, I think one of the first things we have to do is kind of look at what our money tapes are. What do we think about money? Mm. Because money is such an indicator in society. And listen, we know it creeps into the believers and the church world and the Bible schools, and it, it can muddy up the waters to all of our belief system. And, and so with me, I was just going to be successful. I you know, had a certain degree of skills that were rewarded in society. I could speak pretty good. I, I, you know, I just stammered there a little bit, you know, pretty good at to speaking, I guess, maybe. <laughs> um, at the word guess, saying. Yeah, at the word saying. I'm still from the South, so I might butcher some things. But, you know, I could, <laughs> you know, hand me a microphone or, or give me a stage and things like that. And I can get up and speak and could speak for a few minutes, a few days, whatever it takes. I could do that. <laughs> Um, and, and with that, there comes a lot of arrogance with that. I don't know if we'll go down that road, but there comes a great deal of arrogance that can come from that. That can be like a drug, just like alcohol or anything else too, by the way. But, uh, but the, the thing that really happened to me is that I realized that with my hands, with my mind, with skills that I had, I could reach certain levels of success as recognized by society, as culture, especially our first world culture, Americanized culture of working hard. I felt like there was no one that could work harder than me. I worked in the corporate environment. I did pretty well for nine years at Bell South, moved in and around a lot of areas, worked for their leadership institute and things like that. Started working in a multi-level marketing business uh, in the early 90s. And to be truthful, that's actually where I was saved. It was within the Amway Corporation structure. Mm. And, uh, and I, I was not saved in any other place other than a business environment. So I think the important thing maybe for your listeners with that is that there are a lot of people that play in the church world. A lot of people play in the business world. To me, I do not distinguish the two because that's where I was saved. Amen. And, and I think it was an important part of my whole being, my fiber, I mean, because I just believe that business is where spiritual things occur and spiritual things occur. There's business there. There's money changing hands. So, so anyway, so we succeeded well. We went through some financial ups and downs with that. I left Bell South during the 90s and our business continued to do well. But late 90s, we had a slight downturn with with, um, with uh, you know, the dot-com bubble and things going on there. And so coming out of that, Ryan, we, we became very committed and very determined to build a real estate business. And, and so in the early 2000s, we kind of launched what was ended up being multiple real estate companies. And I, I was saved. I was growing spiritually. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was going to, you know, the churches where I was growing but uh, not to get off topic, one of the things that really, really impacted me during the 90s was, was that we were, were very involved with the prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to throw things out totally because a lot of people will do that. They say that's false. That isn't. I, I actually think there's degrees of truth in many of these messages. I think that they can be messed up by a lot of people. Um, but what it did for someone like me who was very performance oriented, it just fed that beast. 
And so, you know, I started, you know, using terms that I'm not real comfortable with, like, you know, the wealth, wealth of the wicked is stored up for us. We just need to put our hand to the plow and work hard and we're going to name it. We're going to claim it. We're going to get it. We're going to be driving great cars. We're going to be having massive amounts of money flowing into us. And then, you know, the statement that you could add to the end of that is, and we're going to fund the kingdom. <laughs> right. Tack that little gem on the end, <laughs> that, just that, for good that, measure. Just tack it on. The, yeah. Everything makes it okay. Right. If you just mm-hmm. add, and I'm going to fund the kingdom at the end, then it's all good. And I <laughs> listen for people that may not know my personality. You do. Yeah. I'm going to say some things at times. It'll sound snarky and things like that. I don't, I don't mean it that way. Maybe I do, but uh, anyway, so, so that was a big part of us during the nineties, Ryan, is that it fueled that, and I was under the expectation that I was in God's will and my material blessings and all were a reflection of that and that we were just doing what God wanted. Look at the stuff that we can show to prove it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think sometimes um, because in the natural realm, we do get rewarded according to our own self-effort and performance. And sometimes the worst thing that can happen is seeming confirmation and validation of everything we're doing to confirm to us, we are on the right path. Look at this. This is the the proofs in the pudding. Here it is. And again, like you said earlier, you don't want to throw the baby out with bathwater. There are certain principles that are true. You were intelligent, you were diligent, you were very intentional in, in doing these things and that, you know, that's going to work no matter who you are. And um, so there is truth in that. And then you tack, you know, the prosperity gospel and the verses in the end, which have their own measure of half truths in there. And, um, sometimes it can get you to a real bad place where you think, yep, this is it. This, this is, uh, right here. Everything is a demonstration of God's glory. And you do it all in your self-effort and then you add at the end to God be the glory. Yeah. Or some other spiritual churchy type phrase that we, we all know, and at times we can all fall victim to it. And that is assuming that where we're at is is God's perfect will. And listen, we I guess one of the things I really want to stress is that in many ways, we have to be very cautious looking at exterior type things because it is all a heart issue. Yes. And and that is really I believe we're we're all in in a in a journey type situation. I mean I think back and I would you know if I'm doing an interview with myself 10 years ago I I would have been a very unique situation 20 years ago, very unique 30 years ago. And it, it's very interesting how the Lord is continuing to work with us is that we are really in progress. And I used to actually think that there would be a destination that when I arrived there, it would be good. And, and many times, Ryan, that would have been a financial position, you know, X amount of money in the bank, X pieces of property. My business would have been at this level. One of the biggest challenges for me going backwards just a little bit in that in a multi-level marketing business, which in many ways I loved it, by the way, because I learned a lot, learned a lot of people skills, speaking. I got saved there, uh, learned a lot of business stuff. My coaching business today is a direct reflection of some of the skills and talents that I learned within that environment. But one of the things that fed me, and I know that you can relate to this, is that there was a continuous top to that business. And there never would have been a time I've thought about this often, never would have been a time that I would have reached a level that I would have been able to relax Hmm. because there was always a level above it, always a level above it. 
Yes. And, you know, for those that understand, you know, you, you reach direct and then you go Ruby and then you go Emerald and then you go Diamond. And we did well and we're making money. I was never relaxed. I think that's part of the deceitfulness of riches that the Bible talks about. It's because it always promises something it can never deliver. If you're looking to money to be your source, to be your end all be all. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with money. It's a tool that's neutral and it's, you know, can be used to bless or to destroy. But, um, that is the thing is when you're driving on that, you know, performance treadmill constantly, once you get to, you know, X, Y, or Z, you think that, Oh, once I get that, it'll be good. And I'm thinking of that movie, uh, uh, wall street money never sleeps. Um, and the guy says, what's your number? And he says more. Yeah. And I, and I was the same way. I think your personality, I know you pretty well, you can probably relate to having that personality. There are people listening to us though, Ryan, they don't quite grasp that. It doesn't mean the same to them, but we were wired for growth. We were wired to fix things. We were wired to grow things, build them, you know, reach for things. There's nothing wrong with that as long as we understand it. But this is a bit of a plug for you because I know you do coaching. I do coaching. I think that totally is confirmation on why we need someone that can call us out hard on that stuff. Because you and I have had conversations in the last two or three years where we've had very tough conversations where one of us has said to the other one, dude, man, stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think that to me is a sign of greater depth and friendship and honor than the people, because it's too comfortable and easy to just not say anything. But, you know, I've appreciated when you've given feedback, um, even if it's stung at the time. And I was just like, you know, I might've, you know, had a little pride reaction at the beginning or a little, you know, wounded or whatever, but then it was like, I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? He, I know his heart, he's for me and he has a lot of experience. I should probably be humble and receive this and uh, be willing to, you know, seriously consider what he says. And then, you know, if it, if it checks out, then, then to apply it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And so, so I think the only way that we can check ourselves, this is, this is a, a good teaching point here, I believe. And it'll lead us to maybe some deeper discussion about this is we either have a catalytic event We'll call it the fall, if you want to use a spiritual term, or we make a concerted effort to make a change mm-hmm. and allow someone into our lives that can teach us, disciple us. I hate using the word disciple. Truthfully, in church world, that word's been used a little bit inappropriately, but to me, it is that mentor role where someone that has some truth, they've got possibly a background that you know they've been through the fire themselves that they can speak some things into you and you listen and you go, okay, I, th- th- that hurts. No one else will tell me that. So I either need to discard it or meditate on it. Now, I, I think then we take that, we go to the Lord. Listen, I am not in any way saying we remove the Holy Spirit. We remove our relationship. Exactly. That is the number one thing. I think ideally, Ryan, we would have such a locked in, dialed in relationship with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord that in our quiet time that we all should have, if people listen to this do not have it, you need to have it. You need to have that more than you need to have it with, a, you know, a, a TV minister or someone like that. It's personal time. Yes. However, in the society that we're in, with so much going on around us, so much noise, it is very difficult for us to be like the monks of old where we sat in silence and listened. We've all attempted it. We've done pretty good at it. But 
it's when listening to something like this and maybe you hear, you know, you say something or me say something, people say, hmm, that's, that hits pretty hard if it's me. Or maybe I need to bring someone in that can really open me up, peel me back and give some analysis. And that, that's tough. Yeah. You know, you said something, I was just listening to your podcast this morning, actually, and you said something I couldn't agree with more, which was that you can either humble yourself in life, or if you don't, life has a a way of doing it for you. It's going to happen in the end. And for me, as most people know, my big catalytic humbling event was the helicopter crash back in 2007. But you had your own version of that that was pretty dramatic. Walk us through that right now. Yeah, that, um, you know, it kind of related to that. And I don't know where this phrase come from. If I need to attribute this quote to someone, I apologize, but is never trust someone who hasn't been punched in the nose. (laughs) And basically it, and you know, we could even look at it from a spiritual standpoint. If your flesh hasn't been through a, a difficult crucifying type time, I mean, we, we hear in the word that we're to crucify our flesh daily, but in reality, the world system, Babylon, it crucifies our flesh on its own. <laughs> and, and so what happened with us, Ryan, in the early 2000s, which is kind of what we, where we had gotten to earlier, we kind of locked arms with a few other people, some family. We'd been doing a little bit of real estate. And we said, okay, let's start buying some property. This is primarily in the Atlanta market. And uh, this story could be long. I'm going to try to shorten it for everybody. But we built some very large real estate businesses in the early 2000, 2000, 2001 and two. We started buying single family homes in the Atlanta metro market. And when we were really, really building it at a, at a rapid pace, we were buying anywhere from three to five homes per month. Wow. And we were doing that in a lot of creative ways. And uh, we were bringing on some financial people and we were, we were scaling it. We were scaling and I'm an engineer by training. So I know how to systematize things and build them. And, and, and then from that, we spun off a marketing company that became a national marketing company for motivated seller leads. And that was an awesome business, by the way, if you ever want to have a cool conversation, that was a, that grew to over the next four to five years, a seven figure business just within itself. By the time 2008 rolled along, we had over 15 million in equity real estate. And now I I have to qualify that. That was 2008. It was the peak of a bubble. So, you know, I think I think the exact number, I don't like to exaggerate, it was 15.2 million that we kind of valued our real estate holdings at at the time. Over a hundred single family homes, a few condos in Florida. We were working on doing a development down in Milledgeville, Georgia. There was a lot of things we were working on. And the thing that I actually loved the most in around 2003, when you start building things, you know this, people start coming to you and saying, tell me how to do what you're doing. So that started a coaching business and the coaching business was a seven figure business in in and of itself. And truly that was what I was most passionate about. I love real estate. I loved what we were able to do with it and, and all that we learned from it and know it's dirt it's good it's tangible but i actually love the coaching aspect of reaching in someone and pulling out what i believe is already there the greatness that's there so so heading into 2008 ryan we had three businesses that would have been valued valued at seven figures plus and when i say we i was in partnership with family i had another partner in the coaching companies and 08 hit we knew it was coming i saw it coming i was coaching people all over the country so I saw, you know, Vegas was going up 25% of the a year <laughs> coaching students in Florida. It was like 
three years in a row, we saw 20 plus percent growth. So we knew it was coming. We'd start putting money aside and things like that. But we we weren't prepared. I don't think anybody, listen, I, I know a lot of people could say, oh, I saw and all that. I don't think anyone was truly prepared for what happened. I wasn't prepared for the government intervention. We thought it was going to be a rip the Band-Aid off. It's going to be ugly for about 12 to 18 months, and then we're going to come out of it. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities there. Um, but truthfully, I, I probably was getting fairly smug, thought I was pretty smart, thought I was being blessed. I, I was being blessed. Let me qualify that. I was being blessed, but I was using measurements of blessings that I probably shouldn't have. And so, so when it hit Ryan, it hit hard and, uh, and it caused friction with family that we needed to separate out partnerships. It caused friction with people that had invested money with us, caused friction within our home. Both my children were high school age, getting ready for college. We were living at the time in a, probably one of the nicest golf resorts in the country, 117 holes of golf just outside of Atlanta, near Augusta, Georgia. There's a Ritz-Carlton in our neighborhood, if that helps you out. I'm not saying that to boast, but we literally could walk to a Ritz-Carlton that was within the gates of our subdivision. Right. And, uh, and over the next three to four years, I'll just go ahead and give you the end of the story. We lost it all. We had to split up businesses and didn't lose everything. I could, I could get into more details as to how we split things up, but uh, we were foreclosed on our personal home went through a personal bankruptcy, but trying to save all that. So we had the sheriff come knock on our door of a 6,000 square foot home and tell us it was time to leave. Wow. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, uh, it did quite a number on me personally, on my ego. Um, my wife and I would tell you that it created struggles with the two of us. We weathered that storm. We're now up together 30 plus years. Our, our children probably had quite a bit of, Issues going from, you know, living country club life to, you know, going to college in a 20-year-old Camry and getting as much government assistance as you can because now we have nothing. And so so that's that's the down and dirty. And I could get dirtier if you really want me to. <laughs> no, I mean, that's uh, – I know your story, and, and I heard it more on the podcast. And uh, unfortunately, or maybe we – because we'll get into the, the the flip side of this. Maybe in a sense, fortunately, uh, a lot of people uh, experienced what you did. In fact, just people at you know Caris Bible College that I talked to, there was a number of people who had the almost identical story to you. And uh, it's a really um, humbling thing. It's a really shocking thing. Uh, like you said, nobody could anticipate how bad and how quickly things would go bad in that time frame. And um, you know, uh, again, I can relate in a, in a similar way, in a different context, but, um, those things are really traumatic at the time. And they also, um, bring us to our senses in a sense, like the prodigal son, you know, where we're eating pig slop and all of a sudden we're like, you know what, doing things my way might've had its, uh, kicks for a little bit, but this is not the life that I want to be living. And, um, as I've talked about in uh, different episodes or uh, in the book that I'm about to release, sometimes those kind of setbacks can be almost like a, a divine trampoline where the further down you go, the further up you can go. And it's this amazing divine setup where grace actually catapults us into greater favor and blessings. And I think it all depends on 
like we talked about earlier, our willingness to humble ourselves, our willingness to take a hard, honest look at ourselves, our life, the results that we've obtained in our own efforts, and the willingness to look at a different way, a better way, if you will, of doing life, business, and, you know, our walk with God. And so um, that's, but it's a critical part of the journey that I appreciate you sharing. I know it can be difficult for some people to talk about that, but I think it's really important because I believe in my own life, that was actually kind of like the paddles, you know, that I was in cardiac arrest spiritually. You know, I wouldn't say I was spiritually dead because I was saved born again at an early age, but I would say I was comatose and I needed that, boom, you know, that jolt to the system to wake me up and shake me up. And that's what I see happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, you know, it's one of these things too. I was actually talking to someone the other day. Um, we were talking about how actually my wife and I, Gloria and I were going back over and reviewing some prophetic words that were spoken over us. We saved all these, we've saved them for the last 20, 25 years. And we also reviewed some of our prayers and it's so interesting in 2009, 2010, 2011, there were so many prayers that came across as we were at the edge of the cliff. Hmm. It's like, if we don't have, and unfortunately, so many of them are money related. And I know people that are listening to this can relate to this, you know, and, and but people also have them with health and different things like that. But we're talking about money here. You know, it was one of these things where if we don't get blank, amount of money coming in right now it's over we're done we're baked we're whatever words you want to use but yet we went through that deadline and it kept on going and listen i'm not in any way bragging or boasting about missing payments on houses and to investors and things like that i am not boasting about uh you know bankruptcies and things like that but when you play in the world system and you are involved within the Babylonian structure, then unfortunately there are times that you may have to use that Babylonian structure if there are things that are going on. There, I know there are a lot of people that are going to get, disagree with that. I, w- I want to give one sidebar. I had a conversation with someone that they were we had helped them financially a few times, and they were the type of person that they call me when they needed help financially. That's the position we're in now. We're living a very minimalist lifestyle. I'm in an RV right now as we're recording this. My wife and I travel and we've been extremely blessed with financial resources and provision is the word we like to use now. And, and Ryan, I had someone that they called me up and usually I, I knew why they were calling, but I kind of asked and they made the comment and they said, well, I've got my, my house payment is, coming due and I could really use, you know, it's going to go to foreclosure and I know a good bit about foreclosure. So I said, well, when's it scheduled to be foreclosed and things like that? I say, well, I, I, I'm only late on, you know, one payment and I'm, I'm, I haven't actually missed it yet, but I, I don't want to miss it. And this was a very spiritual person, someone we were associated with at Bible school and, and there, and my comment to them was, well, I'm familiar with the process and, I do know you have a long ways to go. They're, they're thinking about selling the home anyway. You have a long ways to go before there's an actual foreclosure. I know a little bit about the state you're in and things like that. And, and this person snapped back at me and said, that's of the devil. You're never supposed to miss a payment on a house or anything like that. And I just kind of calmly said, well, actually, I believe it's of the devil that you have a mortgage in the first place. Oh, you know, here we go. The Babylonian uh-huh. system. Yep. <laughs> 
there was this pause, and I know that's a harsh statement, and some people are you're you're you've got people bristling right now as they're listening yeah. to this. But it it's part of playing in that system, and we could dip our toes in and things like that. But listen, we we know we know what the word says about debt. But yet we play that game and we operate in it. And and they paused, and to their credit, they said, you know, you're right. If you if you're gonna go in and get that 30-year mortgage, there's a chance you're gonna have two or three ups and downs with the economy during that time. So anyway, I, I, that's off track just a little bit, but it uh, it just kind of goes to show how our thinking can be skewed. Yeah, and I do want to just briefly interject on that note because as we've been talking about this, I had um, one interview in particular about debt-free real estate investing with a guy that I knew from uh, Bible college, and he had gone through that similar journey, you know, where he had the ups and the downs, and he had the success by his own hands and all the cost that came with that, not just financially, but, you know, emotionally, spiritually, everything. And then, you know, so he's adamant about, you know, nobody should be using debt. Now, I feel personally at this point, it's a personal word from God why I'm not using debt, but I could clearly make a case for why that's true. And one interesting thing after that interview, he came up to me and he had a a dream uh, shortly after that. And he was telling me how you cannot outsmart the Babylonian system. If you think you can put your toe in the water and you can, you know, benefit from it. And again, I'm not saying people don't use leverage to produce incredible wealth. They do. But just because, you know, you get a certain result doesn't necessarily justify, like we talked about earlier, your thinking process or your heart state in that place. And so he was just saying, like, you know, you, you're not going to you're not going to outsmart him just like the devil. You know, we're not supposed to, you know, mess around just like, you know, don't engage with that conversation. He's a defeated foe, but don't get you know tangled into that little battle. And so, um, you know, I I'm not as quite. Uh, blunt and outspoken as some people about the debt thing. Obviously I'm living that lifestyle myself, but you bring up a good point. And for anybody listening, I just want to say, I know that may be shocking. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't use debt to build wealth. Maybe people have done it successfully, but a lot of people don't realize the risks and the world that they're getting into. Cause once you open that door, you're in it. And uh, Tim has been through that himself. Multiple people I've talked to, even ones who are quote unquote, very responsible with debt lost everything in that. So I would encourage people, especially now, just on a practical note, we are at a very clear, you know, uh, point in the economic cycle where I think things are maybe not going to play out the same way they did 10 years ago. But if you look at the numbers and the indicators, you know, I think people are getting, you know, in trouble and they're setting themselves up for that. So I would just take that if you're, if you're offended by that, if you're bristling, like Tim said, I would just Mm -hmm. take this as an opportunity, like we talked about already to just take a, a moment, take a deep breath and objectively consider What's being said from people who have been there, they've been punched in the nose, they've got the, the wounds and the scars to prove it, and they've also got the blessings, which we're going to go into in a second. But I, I just kind of wanted to back and, you up and, on that. And real quick on that, Ryan, you know, the title of this podcast is not an okay way. It's a better way. <laughs> and, and to me, the better way is not to have the burden. And debt is a burden. Some people handle it well. Some people don't. Some people can manage it. Some people can't. I just know as long as I had it, it took a chunk of my soul. There was a piece of me that knowing that someone had that ownership and control over me. uh, and, And you know what? When there's a chunk of your soul taken, it opens up. It opens up something for the enemy. I mean, we don't you know, we don't want to get into all of that, but I think you just are flirting with possibilities. That's all we'll say. I mean, yep. 
And that's exactly, it's interesting you mentioned that, Tim, because that is exactly what the other gentleman, Steve Lawrence, that I talked about said. He said, there's something spiritually and psychologically that happens when you do that. And it's not even like you can't see it necessarily reflected in your finances. Eventually, you probably will if, you know, certain things happen. But even when things were, quote unquote, going really well, there was, he said, as soon as they got out of debt, there was like this freedom, this clarity. It was like something was lifted that he couldn't explain or understand quite at the time. But in, in retrospect, he realized that, that it changes the way you think is what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And, and related to that, I actually had, we had this discussion because we're recording this shortly after the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm not sure when you, you'll be releasing it, but, but Gloria and my, I were talking about just kind of traditions around the holidays and things like that. And one of the things I shared with her and it relates to this is that, you know, I'm not really sure that I ever truly relaxed while we were really in the mode of building some of our businesses. Yep. And part of it was because there was always that, I keep using the word burden, but it's a burden. There was always a burden of, there was another level of the business to get to. We had people that we had to pay. So we were going to have to collect payments in December, which is a tough month to collect. And I'm not sure other than the last couple that we've had, that I was ever really at a state of just being relaxed, a lot of money in the bank, no overhead to speak of, doing blessing and doing things for people like we believe the Lord is leading us to do, even so much as we're, we're physically being and going where the Lord is leading us to, because we don't even have a physical location currently. Right. We live in an RV, which is part of our story and all that, but so... So we really are at a place of peace, at rest. And I'm not in any way saying people need to live the way we live, but I will say that they need to, on their journey, continue to pursue and ask the Lord, observe others and say, you know what, what is that better way for us? And I think that's the process. What it is today might be different than it was five years ago and be prepared. It could be different a year or two years from now. Yeah. And Steve said that exact same thing too. It's really interesting. The confirmations you guys are having and things I wouldn't normally have thought of that. He said it, it was, he could never relax. He was constantly spun up. He had this level of stress he, and he actually talks about a uh, term in the Bible called the iron yoke, which I think is referred to in Jeremiah and some other things, but it's that same thing, that yoke, that burden, that heaviness, Every month you've got that, you know, you, there are a number of things. And this is what I tell a lot of people considering, you know, getting in real estate is, you know, even if you are going to use debt, think about the fact that so many things are uncertain. Appreciation's uncertain. Even the historical income from the financials on the property, which look really good, those could go away. The one thing you can set your watch to absolutely is that debt payment will be due each and every month until it's paid off. That's right. And then also you're dealing with a, a banking system and structure for those in America that are listening to this that has proven in the last 10 years that it may not operate with integrity. Right. And, uh, and just, there are just things, I mean, if you want to play in that sandbox, be prepared to play with those rules. And that's something that people need to be aware of. You know, there's one thing, Ryan, I want to, I want to maybe shift away from the debt thing. Cause I think you and I can really go down this road and hammer it. I think the more important piece here is that I've gotten to the place that I don't want anything to interfere with my ability to have relationship and to hear from God. Yes. That includes relationships. That includes partnerships in business. That's a whole other topic we can discuss. That includes, you know, even the business itself. 
I think there are many times that we think we're supposed to build, we think we're supposed to scale, we think we're supposed to grow, but the stress of doing some of those things, if it hinders our ability to hear from the Lord, the quiet time that we're, we should be spending with the Lord, if you're sitting down and you've got things running through your head about, I'm, gonna, I'm about to get you on one, about a book launch or about you know funding for the book launch or getting it launched out to the right people or getting it edited or getting it to your editor. If those thoughts come across our mind, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for, to hit you hard with something right there, but, but you know what I'm saying. Those things cross our mind, then it's hindering us hearing from the Lord and we need to battle those things with every bit of might that we have. And if we don't, we could just start slipping and slipping. And listen, our tether line, our life force is hearing from the Lord and Amen. relationship with the Lord. Amen. You know, uh, no, I, I don't uh, resent you saying that fact. I appreciate it because it's confirmation because as you know, I'm getting closer to this deadline. I've, uh, I've in the next five days, I've got to do a significant amount of editing. I've been raising funds for the book, which is a very uncomfortable stretching process. It's good overall, but you know, having to ask for money and do all that is not something I've ever had to do. So there are all these things. And I realized, you know, I was getting stressed out and I was getting anxious and God was like, look, the, the whole point of a better way is first and foremost for you to be at that place of rest and peace and trust in me and not striving. It, it, it does no good for you to write a book about investing in rest when really you're getting all stressed and you know anxious in the very process of that. That's not integrity. That's not demonstration. That's not overflow. And so I had to really repent and I went back and I just, you know, even on the, you know, for a while it was the fundraising. I've been, you know, really blessed. Um, we're over 60% of the way to the goal already. That's a whole other testimony. So now it's been the last couple of days, it's been heavy on my heart with the editing and what I need to do. And God is just over and over every day, bringing me back to what is the whole point of this? It's for you first and foremost, from that overflow, you're going to reach other people. But um, it's a really well-made point, Tim. And it's something that, you know, I just wrote this in my journal yesterday that if there was one thing, and you talk about accountability in some of your podcast episodes, we'll get to in a minute. If there's one thing that I want people to hold me accountable as far as my integrity, it's that I am actually myself on a daily basis entering into rest, peace, and trust in God. If you're going to call me out on anything, let it be that you're getting stressed out, Ryan. You're starting to strive. You're getting into toil, anxiety. That is the one thing above anything else that for the integrity in the effectiveness of this message to go forth that I would have people call me out on. And so that's a daily battle. And I just wrote a blog post where our battle, our fight is to remain at rest. So coming back to that idea of rest, Tim, um, how did this whole process play out? You talked about, you know, the upward, you know, upward trend, the peak, all the success, three different seven figure businesses, incredible results by any, any person's, you know, measurement, but you talked about the toll it took on you financially, psychologically, spiritually, relationally, everything. And then you bottomed out, had to declare bankruptcy, had the sheriff showing up at your 6,000 foot house right next to the Ritz Carlton. I mean, unbelievable uh, decrease in a very short amount of time. Talk to us now about from bottoming out to where you are now and the, not only the difference in the results, but the difference in the process, the mindset and how that relates to entering into God's rest and ease. Sure. Yeah. Great question. And I'll try to listen. You know, one of the things you just mentioned, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of correct it. It seemed like it was, it seems quick now, but it was like molasses as we were going through it. 
um, because, you know, we saw things peak and we kept trying to do different things and grow businesses and use tricks and things like that, Ryan. And so we were, we were working on various things, but when you have increased your lifestyle, which we had done and, uh, you know, had some reserves, obviously not the level of reserves that were needed. And in looking back, I, I can now truthfully say I really didn't have any, I thought I did but I didn't. So having you know, reserves those were, yeah, reserves. Yeah. You know, you know, you think you have them, but when they don't do what they need to do, then you didn't have them. You know what I mean? You, right. you know, I, I, I think I had a podcast that released on my network today called, and, and one of the sayings I use is thou shalt not fool thyself. I was fooled. You know, mm-hmm. we were fooling ourselves that I, that's probably in the Bible, but it's probably not worded that exact way. But um, so, so we kind of saw this slow-mo from like 08, 09, to 13 of just this gradual disappearance of revenue of income. We split companies off. I actually took the coaching business. I gave some of our asset real estate business to a partner. I split all portions of the coaching business with another partner. Uh, One of the reasons why is I wanted to somewhat divest myself of the geographic area that we were in. So, you know, some would say, why'd you give up real estate? It made the most sense at the time. And now 10 years later, I'm very thankful that I did that. But, uh, you know, there's going to be some value and I still have some participation, just very little. Um, So I took a coaching business. And you know what, Ryan, I don't have to tell people this. People aren't going to spend $25,000 for someone to tell them how to do real estate when the market was doing what it was doing in 09, 10, 11. And so that business dried up. And another thing from an integrity standpoint, I didn't know what to tell them. I wasn't going to have someone pay me $2 and me say, I don't really know what to do myself, but let me coach you on what (laughs) I think you should do. Mm. And you know what? There are a lot of people that have no problem with that. I just didn't. But what happened during that time, Ryan, is that my wife and I, we basically sat and we just spent time in the word. We would open our Bibles at 7 a.m. when we would get up and we would sit in that home that we weren't making the payments on. And we would listen to things like Joseph Prince was a big influence for us then because we didn't understand rest. I think he's a great, great bridge to help people move to, to rest and things like that. And we would listen to that. We would read. We would study. And we literally spent hours every day in the Word. And we would be asking questions. What about this? And, you know, a lot of it was probably crying out to the Lord why. We never really we never really questioned whether there was a God, but we did question God. <laughs> you right, know, it wasn't right. as if we lost our faith and we were backsliding and we just said, oh, the heck with God. No, we, we, we drew near to God. And I'm sure he probably got tired of me saying, why, Lord, you are blessing me. And I would be asking those questions on, you know, two, three hour long walks over golf courses, you know, <laughs> that, that people weren't playing on those days. You know, I would walk the courses on those days. And I would just be asking why. Well, what we learned during that time was rest. There was nothing that in my power I could do, Ryan. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why I tell people this story, that if you don't embrace rest, you're going to learn it. I do not believe that God brought the downturn on. I think it's just part of natural cycles, the Babylonian cycles. But I believe Romans 8, 28, he can use those things. And you know what he said? Tim Winders 
you know, this guy can, he's got some skill and I'm glad about that. I gifted him with a lot of these things, but this is an opportunity for me to use him in a way that I wasn't able to before. So he's going to learn to rest in all areas, not segmented areas of our lives. Like most Christians do. Mm -hmm. We segment God. We put him in a Sunday. We put him in a, you know, Bible study. We put him on, you know, maybe with our marriage or maybe when we need healing or, you know, we need, we need help. We, you know, it's the ATM God, which (laughs) God spoke to me. He goes, I'm not an ATM machine. I'm God all the time. (laughs) So we need to have relationships. So you need to be at rest that you and I can function because Ryan, before this, I would roll out of bed every morning and I would have business ideas and I would be able to monetize them by noon of that day. I mean, I would be putting the plans in place. Well, I had nothing for five, six, eight years. I had no thought of anything that I could do. Wow. I mean, I was at my end and I literally, this is a kind of an interesting story I've shared before. They're in the gated community area that we live, this beautiful resort community on a lake in Georgia that had all these holes of golf. There was a McDonald's on the outside of the gates. And I was, I was out just getting a coffee or something like that. And I looked up at the McDonald's and they had a help wanted thing. And I'm going, you know what? I've tried everything else. I should just get a job at McDonald's, which would be very humbling in that area. we were in. <laughs> yeah. And so I asked, I said, can I speak to the manager? And the manager said, well, you have to go online and submit your resume. I'm going, okay, I'll do that. So I went home, went online and multiple times, Ryan, I tried to put in an application at McDonald's and I never, and I'm fairly tech savvy. I never could get my application at McDonald's to go through and, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that the Lord didn't want me to do anything that doesn't sound quite right to say that, but he wanted to make sure that I was totally in a position where I was going to not depend on me, but depend on him. Yeah. You know, Tim, that is um, a really good point. You know, I think a lot of people look at God as this all controlling sovereign God and he is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he gave us authority and freedom to make decisions for better and worse. And just like my helicopter crash or any number of things that have happened to me since then, I don't believe for one second God brought that on us. But like you said, Romans eight twenty eight, he will use all things in a pattern for good if we allow that to happen. And that's a, a, some of the most precious times in our walk. I don't think that's God's best for us. His best for us, and this might sound heretical, I don't think the cross was even our, his best for us. His best mm-hmm. for us was garden living from the beginning, you know? He never intended for us to say, he never intended for Lucifer to fall and become Satan, you know? But he uses all these things so masterfully. Sometimes it can almost be easy to believe that was his plan from the beginning. And, you know, you could say Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And that's true because God always makes provision ahead of time for what he knows we're going to need, even if he didn't specifically bring that on us. But all that to say, uh, I want to emphasize the goodness of God here. He doesn't use tragedy and setback to teach us lessons, but he will use them in a pattern for good. And that's what I think you're talking about. And, and that's a long period of time, Tim, five to eight years of having dry seasons financially in your revelation, your ideas, like just nothing where it forces you in that position to really depend completely on him. And so that bottom out, what I'm hearing is you're, you're starting to get towards the bottom of the trampoline way lower than you were. Take us in the upswing. Yeah. So we, so we, we bottomed out, obviously when, you know, the sheriff comes, knocks on your door, you become homeless and, uh, you know, you move into your Honda van, throw some things in there. You go stay with family for a season or a brief period of time. You've got family that's providing you some money. You've got a few small little 
incomes popping in. But what we basically, we, we, we like to say it was a time of nomad for us. That's a nice way of saying, Ryan, we were homeless. <laughs> it's a biblical term, right? <laughs> we, we were like Abraham and Sarah, only it was different. <laughs> a little bit. And so, so, but what we did was we just, we just went out and we were totally operating on faith because we had no clue what we were going to be doing. This would have been around 2013. And, uh, you know, we had some stuff piled in our van, a few things in the storage unit. We'd gotten rid of everything, kind of told our kids who were at a very formative age, you know, right out of high school, right in college, you know, you're going to have to go do your own thing because there's no home to come to anymore. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's leadership development. And it's not the way parenting is done in the world we're in today. Um, you know, at one point, at some point, you may want to ask them how it was. I'm sure there's scars from all of that. But there's also some rapid life lessons that they probably learned themselves. So, so Glory and I launched out and, you know, we kind of went through these phases. We were operating out of manna for a season where literally we would go and all of a sudden we would get a house sitting gig. That's what we kind of started moving into. We started, listen to this, Ryan, living in houses that we did not pay for. We did not build. We were not paying utilities on. We were living in houses that other people owned. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Yeah, it sounds a little bit like Deuteronomy 8, if I'm not mistaken. Sure does. In those houses, we were we spent six weeks in Breckenridge, Colorado every winter. <sighs> Beautiful. We spent time in uh, you know the South Island of New Zealand, three months there. We spent time in a million-dollar home in the north part of Brisbane, Australia. We spent time in Melbourne, Australia on a golf course. We spent time in Tahoe. And, uh, you know, it, it was just this manna that the Lord started drawing. And it began as we began accepting it and receiving it. And let me repeat that. As we began accepting it and receiving it and not striving and working towards manufacturing in our own power. Yes. Because, you know, we're organizers. We're fixers. We can do a lot on their own. But, but we started having the Lord just drop these things in our laps. And, and we started just getting manna. And then the manna started moving to miracles. Some of these places we were in, I'm not going to go through the full breadth of what happened, but we basically have been house sitting for a few years. We spent nine months in Australia, New Zealand. We spent all over the U.S. in places that I could tell you and you go, that would be the most awesome thing in the world. And we had $100 in our bank accounts at the time. <laughs> and uh, just that is just what happened. So we went from manna to miracle. And then in around 2015, we had kind of felt a call to go to Bible school. And uh, we, we stepped into that. We felt that the timing was right. And in early part of 2015, uh, in fact, in March of that year, when we committed to go to Bible school, it was pretty much out of obedience because I didn't know Bible schools existed years ago. I'm, I don't know why, but we had made $17, Ryan, the first three months of 2015. Wow. $17 the first three months. Yeah. Glory, Glory had a contract. She was starting to do some things. She had humbled herself to do some administrative assistant type work, um, you know, contract basis. And, uh, and so we made the commitment to, to, uh, to go spend some time in Colorado at a Bible school there that you and I met at. And, uh, and what happened was, is that that is really a time that we stepped into what we call the blessing in our household. And that is where things just began to pour out. At the end of 2015, when we did our taxes, I had 12 sources of revenue or provision is the word I like to use that had come into our household or into our, when I did my taxes, I said, oh, look, you know, in March we had $17. 
but because of some other things we won't get into here, the storehouse principles, the blessing, the, you know, the provision, we were totally just at rest. I wasn't pursuing things that were finding us. It is so interesting that we had multiple, multiple revenues coming in from clients and sources and different provisions that just continued on. And the entire time we were in that environment, we were able to be a true blessing and just give to so many people, which is important in that environment. And, uh, and so the place we're at now, I'll just kind of say it this way. We have um, more provision in accounts than we ever had through any of our businesses, higher net worth, higher value, um, lower standard of living too. That's kind of a important piece to this. We are not increasing our standard of living. I'm interviewing from a front of a RV that we bought cash a little over a year ago, gutted it, put our offices in it. And we just travel and live where we believe God wants us to go and learn about places and things like that. And places that nourish our soul is where the Lord leads us to. And, and uh, we're just, you know, I don't, I don't like to compare blessings. That's a bad habit to get into because that's where a lot of us get off track, but I can't picture can't picture it being better, but I'm sure it can be, but we are operating in a better way. Maybe that's a good way of saying that. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. And I like what you said about moving from uh, basically bondage in Egypt, you know, complete slavery, destitution, you know, the lowest point to then moving into manna, that miraculous daily provision that's not any more than just that one day, but enough to get you by to miracles, right? Which we, you know, I talk about this in the book too, which will come out which is, you know, a higher level, but the the highest level is the living in the blessing where they actually overtake you and they seek you out instead of you seeking them out by staying in that place of rest, committing to that um, just repentance of self-effort to let things come to you. And that's where I truly believe, you know, it's God's best because you know, it didn't have anything to do with you. And, and what I'm hearing through your whole um, story is this principle I talk about in the book of investing in rest and an investment you have to give something up first before you receive back. And that's called the principle in financial terms. And um, that might be a down payment on a house or an all cash purchase, whatever the case is. In this case, on a spiritual level, what I believe the principle that we have to give up in this investment process into rest is our own self-effort, being able to generate results out of our own power. And like you talked about, you know, Deuteronomy 8, he says that I led you through that great and terrible wilderness, fed you by manna, to humble your hearts and know what was in them so that you would recognize not if, but when, just like you described, you come into this incredible blessing with houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, wells you didn't dig, all these things come to you and the giants of the land become food for you that you'll know it's me that gives you the power to create wealth so that I can establish the covenant on the earth and fulfill the promises to the forefathers. And that's what I'm hearing in your story is you had to go through a a deeply uh, gut-wrenching, humbling process, as I can relate to as well and many people. But because of that, because you allowed yourself to be humbled in that great and terrible wilderness, allowed God to feed you, to be humbled, and then to receive it, you are now positioned for a place in your heart and your character where you could accept and receive and steward the things God had given you. And that's another whole concept you talk about with steward leadership. And we can talk a little bit about um, your blog articles and stuff. But I think I even heard on one of your podcasts that you said you're now living on 10 or 20% of the income that you guys are generating. 
if not less. You know, Ryan, it's so it's so cool to think about. I, I, I can't, I would be a little bit remiss if I didn't mention one thing. It's not countering what you just said. It's talking about the investing in rest. It's, this is a very practical thing that the Lord told me related to a very spiritual principle, I believe. Because I, I am one, I believe you are, and I think there's a lot of people listening in that are action-oriented people. And that is that an idea crosses your mind or an opportunity comes across your email or somebody gives you a call. Our tendency is to say yes or to at least go for it because that's, our, that's the way we're wired. Some people listening in, they may not be that way, and that's fine. But, but the Lord gave me a very practical way of allowing my personality to still be that way, but still allowing him to be God. Yes. And not me be God. And this is what it is. I'm going to share this with you because it's very, it's actually very simple, but it's challenging. The Lord told me, said, Tim, you're going to have so many witty inventions, ideas, thoughts, opportunities. The only thing that I ask you to do is pause. Yes. And the pause is important because if we aren't in a position to hear him, which means we have quiet time. And that's one of the investments too, by the way, Ryan, I wanted to kind of mention that is there's an investment in the quiet, still time, no devices, no computers, whatever, you know, we've got some, so many modern day distractions that we can hear when we pause and say, Lord, and then, you know what, I'll just kind of get this little nod and the little nod will say something to the effect of, yeah, jump on Ryan's podcast with him. You know, I actually had this odd situation recently where someone said, hey, would you like to do a Bible study for a few weeks where you're at here in Bend? We could pack the house out. And, you know, in the past, that would have been a definite yes for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have said yes immediately. And when the person asked me, I just said, you know, let me pause and I'll get back with you. And then sure enough, 24, 48 hours later, it just kind of disintegrated without me really saying no. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. So so I did want to kind of give people that that is a practical, for those of us that are wired that way, a practical way to allow that kingdom mindset to step in, not the Babylonian system, to allow that rest to enter in. Because many times, and the only reason I'm kind of bringing this up, I think some of us, when we even hear the word invest, we have to be cautious because it's still an action word for us, not necessarily a pause or rest word and and you know a lot of us we don't even know what rest means we don't even that that is a word that just means nothing to us (laughs) yeah yeah and i talk about that i'm glad you brought that up in case anybody gets the wrong idea because a couple crucial uh times i've talked about in the podcast and the blog and, and the book that's coming out is taking those times where i stepped away from opportunities where i had business and leads coming to me deals i could have been doing and god said nope i want you right when i was hitting that point of increase he says i want you to step completely away from this and you just spend every day in this extended sabbatical or vacation whatever you want to call it where all you're doing is spending time in the word journaling praying talking to other people seeking wise counsel and things that came out of that period of investing in the pause in life and stepping back from the activity in that consecrated season of hearing from him um, where opportunities then were presented, which were undeniably from God that 
there's no other way to explain it, you know, and that's a really important um, aspect is again, like you said, people like us, I think there's a very opportunistic, not in, in the bad sense, it can become bad, but you know, people like us are wired to want to capitalize on those opportunities, jump in with both feet. It's a really exciting thing. And, and recently um, I had to say no to something that came at a really ideal time for me financially and professionally. And that could have been a really good opportunity. But um, years ago, God said, there are going to be times and you're going to have to say no to things that people are going to say you're crazy to say no to so that you can say yes to the one thing I have for you. So you can say yes to my best for you and not just say yes to a bunch of good things. And I think that's what you're describing. Yeah, that's good. That's absolutely right. Yeah. We're just describing. And, you know, I just, I also think we need to just mention one other thing. I actually got this revelation or I think God spoke this to me. I think he did when I was in Bible school there was some of the teachers in Bible school that talked about how hard they worked and then others that spoke about rest. And I used to really struggle with some that spoke about just work, 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 because it fueled something in me. And, and I had a conversation with the Lord about it, Ryan. And again, this might be for some of your listeners. The conversation was, Lord, what's up with that? And the Lord, I believe, spoke to me. And again, you know, people can discern this. I believe he said, there's some people out there that they just need to work harder. They've been sitting around waiting on the Lord, me, for so long. They just need to go put their hands to something and get to work. Mm-hmm. But then there are other people, you and I have backgrounds like this, that we need to pause and not act like we're God and act like we can do everything. And so it, it just highlights the importance of spending personal time with the Lord and having a trusted mentor or someone that can speak into your life and say, Hey, listen, you know, Ryan, it's time to work. Now you've been resting a long time. It's time to do something or, you know, you're going at it too hard. Why don't you just pause and let, let's see what the Lord does here. Whatever it is, it's just healthy to have the quiet time. And then someone who also has quiet time speaking into your life that loves you, cares for you, wants the best for you. And, and, and can also speak truth. You know, we could all just speak fluff to each other and yep. you're great. You're awesome, man, Ryan, you're the best thing in the world, which you are. I'm not saying that. But <laughs> then also someone that say, Hey Ryan, you know what? You know, I, I heard you say something and I, I know we all say stuff, but you know, you might want to consider this, think about it and you take it to the Lord and we need people like that. I think. Yeah. I, and, and that's a great point too, is that um, one of the things you talked about on a recent podcast article is uh, self-awareness and whether it's through personality tests or just time with the Lord, there's a lot of different ways we can gain that self-awareness. But like you said, for people wired, like myself and you and others like us, I've noticed my tendency is to overfunction and jump in and do things. And generally speaking, I should default to let me actually pull back and and err on the side of rest as opposed to activity. Other people are on the other side of the spectrum where they got the rest thing nailed. They're really strong in that area. And sometimes they need to be able to, so faith for you and me looks like resting, like not doing things a lot of times because we're so used, that's our, our MO. Whereas with other people, faith looks like trusting the grace inside them as God's divine empowerment through them to be able to actually step out, take action and put their hands to something, not so that they'll be blessed, but know that they're blessed and therefore what they put their hands to will surely prosper. And so it's, it's all about knowing where you are in that continuum and how God's speaking to you, what your natural tendencies are and allowing the Holy spirit 
and uh, wise counsel and all these different ways to inform, you know, uh, kind of a, a better understanding over time of yourself and your, your typical responses and what may be a better response in that case. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Absolutely. I agree. So um, if you want to just wrap up real quick, we talked a lot about your podcast, which has been really good. You share a lot of this story and other things in it. You have um, a season three right now where you're talking about the everyday leader, talking about what stewardship actually looks like, what leadership looks like in that context. Is there anything you want to talk to kind of highlight just some of the um, for listeners who might just get a, a sneak peek or a little taste of what you have to offer? And we'll talk about how they can connect with that. Yeah, you know, uh, probably about six months ago, I just felt the urging. Actually, I felt it longer than that to start sharing some things on a podcast. And I actually delayed it and waited as long as I could before the Lord said, now, um, there's a whole teaching in what I just said right there, but, uh, but anyway, and so I put a team together that is primarily family and we, we said, okay, let's, let's do this. And so I flipped on the mic and I just started talking and the first season was out of obedience that I really didn't want to do. The Lord said I needed to share some of these testimony things that we've been talking about and I needed to really go into what's going on there. They got the snow plows out here at the RV. So we might be hearing some stuff here, which is oh, cool. no worries. <laughs> and so, um, so anyway, but uh, so season one is just our journey and it's, it's ugly. It's brutal. It's raw. It's a lot of the things we've talked about and a lot more. Uh, I bring my wife on one episode and we talk about what it did for our marriage and, you know, kind of struggles and different things like that. I talk about my spiritual walk during it. So anyway, season one is the journey. Season two is really the nomad life, kind of how we live the way we live. I keep having people asking about, Oh, it's so cool. You live in an RV and you travel and you did house sitting. And so it's a little more in the practical sense, how we do, how we operate and live the way we do. But season three is a little bit different. It's really the everyday leader. And Ryan, what you brought up is, is, is kind of cool in that stewardship is a word that's been welling around inside of me for a long time. I've been in the leadership arena from coaching and business and even worked at the Bell South Leadership Institute in the early 90s and been around it for a long time. And what I do in season three is I really make the case in what's going to end up being nine episodes plus a few bonuses that stewardship is the ultimate leadership and that everyone listening is a leader in some form or fashion. And you can't get away from it. You can't run if, especially if you're a believer, if you've got, if you've got an assignment within the kingdom, which I believe that everyone does, then you have a leadership responsibility. And this whole season, season three is talking about the everyday leader and it is building up to making the case of the stewardship leader. And basically I'll give you the definition that I use and it's not necessarily grammatically correct, but, but leadership is being a steward over those people, places, and or things that God has gifted you with. And that, in, that involves a lot. We break it down in the podcast on multiple episodes. I think if you listen to the one today that was released, it's primarily we have two or three episodes on leading yourself and the importance of that self-awareness, which, you know, we've, bless their hearts, we've been around some of the most incredible people that are great spiritually and all that, but they have very little self-awareness and don't really know their strengths, weaknesses, what God gifts he's given them. And, and you know, I, I, there's a lot of practical tools out there, even in the world that we can use to help us understand that. So, so that kind of gives you a, a, a glimpse of it. Future episodes as we head into early part of next year are going to be more interview format. And we already have about five or six of those in the hopper. 
that are going to be released and uh, and we're excited about it and uh, and i'm I'm having a lot of fun with it so how can people connect with that well the the name of the podcast is seek go create those three words if you do a search on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to and I think we're on seven or eight of the podcast platforms or if you just want to go to seek go create.com it's the website that actually goes over the, all the episodes and some background and some of the show notes. And you can listen right there on the website or you can go to your favorite podcast platform and listen to them. So seekgocreate.com and we would welcome people to go and listen and share and give comments and feedback. We would welcome that. Yeah, I definitely encourage you guys to check it out. I've listened to several episodes and uh, it's just been cool for me, even having known Tim for several years, just getting a, a more in-depth look at uh, his process, his journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and now coming into the beautiful. So seekgocreate.com. We'll put that in the show notes. And as always, I want to end on a faith declaration of something um, specific or general that you're believing for that has not yet manifested in your business, your life, or anything else that uh, you can just go on the record right now and make that declaration. And uh, I believe we're going to come back and, and talk about how that's been fulfilled. Sure, Ryan. This is a little bit of a tough one for me, but a few years back, the Lord told me that he wanted me to start writing, which for someone like me who getting up and speaking is the easier thing, writing, as you know, in the book process. And I was right at 55 years old, and I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to write a book a year for the next 30 years. Wow, a book a year for the next 30 years. book a year for the next 30 years. So that would be the bold, I guess, declaration. I'm actually the sharing of what the Lord has shared with me. I am just a smidge behind. I'm in the editing process of my first novel, which is kind of different for me. I kind of thought I would write, you know, how-to teaching training books, but their novels and the primary focus, the Lord said, he said, I want you to be able to show my love through these stories that I'm going to give you. And that's exactly what we're doing. So I'm excited about that and uh, look forward to sharing that with people. And I believe that book one, novel one will be uh, released early part of 2020. So I'm excited to share that with people. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. And I just want to um, thank you once again for being an integral process, not only to the podcast for the last several years, but also recently my own book project for just giving feedback, advice, uh, editing. <laughs> I have to say you are a demonstration of everything you teach. You know, the fact that you were able to read 200 pages in about five or six hours one day and give really solid feedback, um, I think speaks to the fact that you're, you're living this out first and foremost, you know, and, and all this productivity coaching and all these things you do with clients. And I think that's coming from that place of rest and overflow that God has divinely empowered through you to achieve and accomplish. So um, just want to thank you for, for being a, a really important part of my life uh, for a better way for the book, just my own personal growth. Can't uh, encourage you guys enough to go check out what Tim's talking about. And um, is there any other uh, website or platform or anything if people want to talk about anything else you want to go to or just the podcast for now? Uh, the podcast for now. I mean, they could always find me at timwinders.com. That's a website we're actually in the process of redoing, but they could reach me there, learn more about me. I've actually got some blog articles and all that I've written over the last three or four years. And, uh, and also, listen, I, I am totally open if anyone ever just feels the urge to talk they will go through my assistant, but if they go through my assistant, there's very few people that I will not get on the phone with and have a conversation with just to chat, pray with them, brainstorm, maybe talk about business, ministry, whatever. I'll be more than happy to do that. 
I think everyone knows by now that I am a coach for business owners, executives, and leaders. And let me just tell you what I really love doing. I love doing this podcast, but I really love getting on the line with people, getting on the phone, getting on a video call, and just helping people, organizations become all that they were designed and created to be. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give away some free coaching calls every month and hopefully speak to you about your business, your ministry, your leadership role, or help you brainstorm new ideas, pivot your business, make some changes, do whatever we need to do to help it move to the level that you want it to go to. So I'm going to give away three free coaching calls per month. And here's all you have to do. All you need to do is send an email to connect at timwinders.com. That's connect at timwinders.com and just I'm going to spell it out here timwinders t-i-m-w-i-n-d-e-r-s.com that's pretty cool I'm able to spell my name that's exactly my name connect to timwinders.com and in the subject line all you need to say is something like I want a coaching call with Tim my team will attempt to get it on the schedule I'm going to uh, I'm going to most likely do three each month if I could get more in I will But they will probably take the first three every month, get it on the schedule, reach out to you, and then they'll uh, they'll just schedule a 30-minute Zoom video call. They may also reach out and get some questions from you about your business and some of the things you want to discuss and talk about. And we will just get online and and we'll have fun with it. Again, I love doing this. It's what I believe I'm called to do. And so I will look forward to hearing from you and getting those emails so that we can get online and help you and your business. I look forward to hearing from you and I look forward to us getting on a coaching call together. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please share it on your social media, text it to some friends. I, I rarely listen to a podcast when I don't text someone. I think of someone that I want to text an episode to them just to share it. So do the same. Send it to your contacts via email. Put the link in in your social media channels. Share it with at least one person. We would appreciate that so much. Thank you again for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you on the Seek Go Create podcast in the near future.